Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I'm becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. And I'm becoming everything that the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, shoot somebody a peace sign and say, it's Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> we, could do, we could do the Lord's elbow, babe. Amen. So praise God. So glad everybody is on this morning. And uh, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. You know, as I began to study for the uh, sermon for, for Easter, for today, you know, I started to think about, you know, how much overwhelming evidence there is that Jesus lived, that he died, and that he rose from the grave. You have to really want to not believe it in order to not believe it because there's so much, really so much evidence, so so many facts that there are that, uh, that he was here. So yesterday, we're, well, this morning, no, last night we were laying in bed and the puppy's going crazy, our new puppy. And Sally turned to me and said, there has to be a God that creates something like this. Okay? <laughs> I, know. I know. Isn't that true? Oh, my gosh. I love my puppy so much. She, I've got scars on my arm where she's biting me. and um, But you know what? I just say, okay. <laughs> well, I don't really. I kind of scold her and, and try to get her to stop. But, oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't understand how anybody couldn't believe that there's a God. I mean, and I told Murray, I said, well, just, you know, try to make your own puppy. Go outside and get some dirt. And let's see how you do it making a puppy, you know, just make one eyeball for a puppy. I mean, you can't, I mean, we just can't do it. I don't know how anybody could think you'd have to have more faith to believe that all of this happened by some freak cosmic experience that caused a bang. And suddenly all these unique people and animals and creatures. And, and if we were a little bit further from the sun, we'd freeze up. If we were a little bit closer, we'd burn up. I mean, God created this place for us. It's just the right atmosphere for us to live and breathe and in the things that we enjoy. I mean, it's just, I don't know how anybody could not believe that there's a God, Amen. especially when it comes to puppies <laughs> and kitties and bunnies <laughs> and everything. Everything baby is cute. <laughs> Amen. So I wanted to look at the Easter facts this morning. So if you're just taking notes, the first, the first number one Roman numeral is the Easter facts. And I call them facts because they are facts. And you can go back and, and, and look at the, um, at the evidence. So number one, his death is well documented. It's a fact that he came and that he died. Um, that, uh, it, that the, the scourging was so brutal. Most people didn't make it after the, after the scourging. In fact, that's all Pilate was going to do. Pilate didn't want anything to do with it. He said, this man's innocent. He said, so just go punish him, scourge him, but don't kill him, bring him back. But then when they brought him back, they said, shall I release Barabbas or, or your Jesus? And they screamed for Barabbas, another Jesus. His name was Jesus Barabbas. And so they let him go, which is a picture of the scapegoat in the wilderness. But, you know, the one that was guilty. They really put the guilt on the, on the one goat and would send it away. But um, 
But they cried for, for Jesus to be crucified after he had been so brutally beaten with the cat of nine tails and punched in his face, the crown of thorns. They mocked him. They put a, a purple robe on him. And it was all well documented. Um, it was all under Pontius Pilate. We know that. It was in a certain place. Not, it doesn't just say they crucified him. They tell exactly where it was. It happened in a real place, a place called Golgotha. Do you have that picture? Put that picture up. Can you put it full screen so, that, so everyone at home can see it? Yeah, put it full screen so everyone can see. Yeah, I'm going to read the scripture to you while you look at the picture there because it's a real place, this place where they said that he was crucified. Mark 15, 22 through 28, it says, And they brought him to the place, Golgotha is the name, which is translated place of a skull. And if you look at that rock formation, it looks just like a skull. You see where the nose is, where the eyes are? It looks like a face rested there in uh, in the mountain. And that either was the backdrop for the crucifixion or um, he was crucified right on top of that. Right now, that's in Israel, in Jerusalem, right at the bus station, right there just in front of it. So actually, you catch the bus right there where Jesus was crucified. It was either on top or right in front. We're not sure, but it, that's definitely the place. It says, then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink. How specific is that? But he did not take it. And verse 24 says, and when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Verse 25. Now, it was the third hour. I mean, they just say he got crucified. We know what time it was. It was three o'clock and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above. We, we can view it. We can see it in our minds. We can close our eyes and we can see him hanging there. And, this, and the thing above it says, the king of the Jews. And they wrote it in three different languages, the king of the Jews. And, of course, we know that the, that the Jews said, take that down. He, we have no king but Caesar. Take that down. And, and they said, I've written what I've written and refused to take it down. Verse 27, it says, with him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So we know that uh, somewhere on this mountain or, or underneath it, in front of it, there were three crosses that day. We know Jesus was in the middle. So how much more specific details do you want? Amen. And all of the um, gospels describe the fact that he died from different, you know, from different angles and from different perspectives. Of course, John really has the, the I think, the best um, because he was actually there at the cross with him. So it was very specific. What time, where, in the middle of two thieves? I mean, it was very specific. So his death is well documented. Number two, his burial is well documented. John 19, 38 through 42. So go ahead and put up, go ahead and put up the other picture instead of that. Yeah, and just let it be full screen on, on the, um, there you go, full screen. So look, when you look here, you can see it describes a tomb much like this one. This is the one that, that um, everyone goes to see over in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know if it's the actual one, but it was the way it's described is, is exactly like this. So it was like this, or this could have been the one. Um, see how it has a little trough in front there? There's sort of like a raised piece of rock in front. There was a, a big stone that would roll from one side to the other to um, close the door of the tomb. And so John 19:38 describes it. it says after this after he had died on the cross Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus but secretly for fear of the Jews asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus and Pilate gave him permission so that's documented 
So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Now that's pretty pretty detailed, isn't it? A hundred pounds of spices uh, to sort of embalm or anoint his body. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the tomb was nearby. So this tomb, this very tomb that you're looking at, is very near to the place Golgotha where I just showed you the picture. So this this could be the very tomb. I'm not saying that it is, but it was a tomb just like this if it wasn't the exact tomb. So... um, That's really cool that you can go over to Israel and on the door, there's a door that closes in front of it that says, he is not here for he has risen, which is wonderful. So he's, he's not there. He's not in the tomb. He's, uh, he's out of that tomb. He was only in there for three days. And on the third day he rose and came out of that tomb. And, you know, they had to roll a stone in front of it, but it wasn't so that he could get out because he had a glorified body. When he was resurrected, he could have walked right. We know that he walked through the wall when he appeared to the disciples. So the stone being moved was so that they could get in and see that he wasn't there. Amen. I think it's interesting that whenever they looked down um, and they saw the handkerchief that was covering his face, it was folded in a place by itself, not with the other um, things that were wrapped around him. But it was folded neatly in a place all by itself. Now, who's going to take the time, you know, to fold the napkin if, if, if his body was stolen or whatever? But they say that that's what carpenters do when they have finished a job. They fold their work handkerchief and, and leave it laying there, which says, I'm finished. So, praise God, Jesus had finished it all. So, Matthew twenty-seven fifty-nine it says, When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. So that picture shows that it is a tomb that's hewn out of the rock. It was actually it was just one solid rock, but they chipped and chiseled it out until it became a tomb that you could go into. It says, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Number three, his resurrection is well documented. So the resurrection of Jesus is an historical reality. It's a fact. So 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 9, it says... Uh, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. Verse 4, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Verse 5, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And then Paul goes on to say, and then um, he was seen by me. It seemed like I was born at the wrong time is what Paul says, as if I was born at the wrong time. And he felt like it was a great honor that he, that Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus because he had, he said, you know, it just didn't even seem right or worthy that Jesus would do that because he had worked so hard to persecute the church that Jesus came to build. So he was to look at all the people that he was seen by. He, he was seen by 500 of his followers at one time. 500 at one time. We know that the, the disciples were, were all in a room by themselves and, and they came and said, we've seen the Lord. He's alive. 
And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my hand in his side or put my finger in the holes in his hands. Unless I can handle him, I will not believe. And then uh, about uh, seven or eight, eight days later, which I think is interesting because eight is a number of new beginnings, Jesus walked through the wall and just, just boom, here he is in the room with them because he's in his new glorified body. He walked through the wall and stood in, stood in there with him and he went right up to Thomas. He said, Thomas, look, it's me. Handle me. Look, whatever you need to believe. He said, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe who have not seen. Amen. That's you and me. We believe it. We believe that all of this is true. Amen. But Thomas had to see. Don't be one of those that has to see. But, I mean, this is enough evidence right here. I mean, they wrote these facts down. And so Acts 1, 3 says this. He also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Probably too many that, that they could even write down. By many infallible proofs, he walked with them on the road to Emmaus. He made breakfast for them on the shore. Peter said, he got up after, after a, a bit and he said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Peter went and got in his boat and started fishing and some of the apostles followed him out and they were out there fishing. You know, isn't it funny how sometimes we want to give up and go back to what we used to do? Peter, you're not a fisherman anymore. You're an apostle. And so Jesus showed up on the shore and he said, hey, cast the net on the other side. And then they, they're like, what? Okay. So when they caught a whole bunch of fish, when they cast the net on the other side, they're like, it's the Lord. And so Peter threw his clothes off and jumped in the water and swam to the, to the shore. And there was Jesus cooking breakfast for him. Isn't that something? So by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he, he showed up after the resurrection and, and showed himself to many people. So much so that, that, that the church was birthed out of that. And the church is still going after all these years because of the resurrected Jesus Christ. So the resurrection, it's so much more than just a historical fact. We know that it is, but it is our present reality. Hallelujah. The fact is, is that Easter is different than all others in history. You know, this, this Easter is different than all others in history because, you know, I believe this is one of the first ones, I guess, in times of war where people couldn't get together, but never on a global level have we shut down church. I mean, this is like the first Easter where we hadn't been able to, you know, come to church. No, we're here, but it's not the same without the whole body here, you know, without everybody who's watching being here together. But, you know, we are together, thank God, in the way that we can be together through streaming. You know, and I believe that's how a lot of end-time events are going to play out, like the two witnesses, that everyone sees it happen all at the same time because we all have these these electronic devices in our hands all the time. But we can see... Live things happening. Like right now, we're watching live. We're live. And so just having a cell phone and, a, and an electronic device in your hand is part of the end-time prophecy. It had to be part so that we could all see. We thought, well, it's satellite. We can see what's going on, on the other side of the world. But we've really kicked it up to a whole nother level, having our, our phone so that we can go on. And then social media was another part of the puzzle. Look at how the puzzle pieces are coming together. Yeah. So that we can still have church, so that we can still be connected, so we can still see things that are going on all over. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. But this is a different Easter because, you know, we're really counting on God to bring us out of this with a resurrection. Amen. You know, we've been placed on pause, but I'm really looking for a reset. 
I don't know about y'all, but I'm looking for a, a spiritual reset, a church reset. I'm looking for the church to get revived. I'm looking for something to happen. You know, this is like a shaking. So don't get shaken off. Amen? He says, I've, I've shaken the world. He said, I'll shake it once again. And, and everything that can't be shaken will remain. Amen? So make sure you don't get shaken off. Amen? During this time, we, we hold fast uh, to the confession of our hope without wavering. We stand strong during this time. But the original resurrection, like I said, it was a quiet resurrection. You know, I mean, after the earthquake, because there was an earthquake. Um, and even when Jesus was on the cross, there was an earthquake. And the, the veil of the temple was, was torn in two. So it's signifying that there's no more separation between God and man. It was torn from, torn from the top to the bottom, meaning God did this. No man took his life, but he laid it down freely. And God tore that veil, which was really like so many feet deep that it would be just almost impossible to tear in, in pieces, but God did it. It would seem impossible to take sin out of the land with just one man, but God did it. God did it. Amen. And so that very first Sunday, you know, he told Mary, he said, don't touch me for I've not yet ascended to my father. He had to go and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And uh, then it was like, go, go tell it, Mary. Go tell it. That's why, you know, anybody who, who wants to fuss about women preachers, um, well, Jesus chose the very first woman preacher to preach the gospel. It was a woman. Amen. The women were there at the tomb. So, so get you a big mouthful of that. Amen. I love the old song that says, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified me and freed me forever. And one day he's coming back. Glorious day. You know, all the things that, that were written about Jesus that came to pass. Every scripture, he said, all of it, all of it came to pass. Every little thing. That was when, when he had tasted the sour wine. That's when he said, it's finished. It, it is completion. Tetelestai. The, the debt is paid in full. He, he said it, he said it was finished. And, and everything that, that was prophesied, he fulfilled it all. Except for the part where he's coming back. And so just like all the other things came to pass about him, you better believe that he's coming back again. Amen. He's coming back again. And we're seeing things happen in the earth. I believe, you know, what's happening right now is one of those things. You know, the fires in Australia, earthquakes were all over the earth two weeks ago. I mean, there, you know, the fires in California, things that are happening that are in end times. And it's like one thing after another. So he says, those are birth pains. Those are birth pains. So we know that he's coming back and it's, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be soon. So I'm looking forward to a reset. How about y'all? Y'all ready for a reset? Give God an amen if you're ready for a reset. I'm ready for revival. And listen, by the way, we have opened up the church during the week for people to come and to pray. We have the, um, the stage and the, um, altar marked off for safe social distancing. I'd say there's like, you know, at least 15, almost 20 feet in between the X's that we have marked off for social distancing for you to come in and pray. I really believe that God's word is true. And he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I'll hear you from heaven and I will hear your land. And turn from your wicked ways. Don't leave that out. 
Um, I don't believe any of us have any wickedness in our lives, but he said he'll hear us from heaven and we'll heal, heal our land. We need our land to be healed. We need to get back to work. People, people need to, to get back to making their paychecks. Amen. So, um, I'm asking for everyone to come in and spend, you know, 15 minutes to an hour. Jesus said, could you not pray one hour to just come in and get in the altar? We have a um, big three by three piece of paper that you can come and lay down in the altar and uh, pray and just pray for an hour. Just come in and just um, hear the voice of God and just petition the throne and just say, God, I'm praying for my country. I'm praying for this land, praying for the whole world, that people who are in hospitals will get up, that people who are on respirators will get healed um, miraculously. Amen. That we're believing for God to, to do the miraculous in Jesus' name. So number two, what I want to look at today, and we won't be long, but it says what the res- resurrection means to us. Let's talk about what it means to us. We know that it happened. We know that it's factual. But um, this is our, our present reality, the present reality of the resurrection and what it brings to our lives. So number one, the resurrection brings transforming power to the lives of believers. Because he rose, we rise to a new life. Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When you're in Christ Jesus, it's a brand new life. Old things are passed away. The old dies and a new you emerges. I don't know about y'all, but I know it's a brand new me. <laughs> Thank God, because I didn't like that other girl very much. <laughs> but, but praise God that God is, uh, he does a, a transforming work in our lives. And it's, it's literally resurrection power. That spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and transforms us into the image of Christ. Philippians 3.10, this is what Paul said. He said, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And listen to this. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. How many of you want to know that? I want to know what the power of the resurrection exerts over me as a believer. What is it? What has the resurrection done for me in my life today? Amen. It's not just something we celebrate once a year and then we go on. But this brings power to our lives, transforming power to be transformed into his very own image, to be changed into his likeness. Second Corinthians 5, 7, very familiar, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's kind of like the, the blind man said, I only know one thing. I was blind, but now I see. Amen. I was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah. So the transforming power over the disciples was absolutely undeniable. When you look at how the disciples were afraid, they um, denied Jesus. Peter denied him three times. You know, before the transforming power of God got a hold of the disciples, they were chickens. Only one stayed there at the cross, and that was John. And the rest of them were just absolutely chicken. They were all afraid. They all forsook him and fled. But the transforming power of God that came upon their lives after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit was given, they became new people. They all died for him. Amen. So the same ones that forsook him and fled, they stood up and gave their lives preaching the gospel. They, they had a reset. Amen. So the church that he began to, is alive today and well. 
It's His church. Not even the gates of hell can stop it. There's a power on us that started way back there with them with 120 people in the upper room when they received the Holy Spirit. A transformation began right then. The supernatural power of God came upon them. And man, they did mighty amazing things. Like Philip went and overtook a eunuch who was um, riding on his chariot. An angel said to him, go and overtake the chariot and, and explain the things of God. He was reading Isaiah where he was wounded for our transgressions. He said, do you know who that who you're reading about? He said, how can I know unless somebody tells me? Get up here and talk to me about it. So Philip got up and explained who Jesus was to him. And so they, as they were going along, they saw some water. The eunuch said, hey, why can't I just be baptized right here? So they got out to be baptized. He baptized the man. And when the man came up from the water, Philip was gone. God had translated him somewhere else. I'm telling you, transforming power, translation power came upon the disciples. They were able to do things um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. They could not doing themselves. I'm telling you, God wants to fill us with His Holy Spirit and be filled with His power so that we would do mighty things in the earth, that we would know our God, like Paul said, that I might know Him and perceive His person that those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Amen? That's what we're called to do. Be strong and do exploits. And isn't it wonderful that that same church that started back then is still going today? 2,000 years later, we're still going. 2,000 and 20 years later, well, no, maybe it's not 2020 years later because he was 33 when he died, right? Yeah. Okay. So praise the Lord. Um, it's still going. And so um, his church, not even the gates of hell can stop it. COVID-19 can't stop it. Amen. We're going to stay bound together. That's my prayer. As I came and prayed on the altar this, this week right here, Friday, I came and prayed right here at this altar and I prayed, Father, Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Lord, keep us together. Let let Jesus' blood be the glue that holds us together, that we don't wander off and that we, uh, people don't um, go off or go their own direction or just forget about God. But, but, Father, just keep us together. Keep Acceleration Church together. Keep your church together. And I believe that there is a shaking at this time. And, you know, we got a, we got a purpose to hold on. Amen. We have the purpose to hold on. So I'm telling you, hold on, don't get shook off. Amen. Amen. Matthew 16, 18, and on this rock. In Greek, it means Petra, a huge rock like Gibraltar. I will build my church. So upon this rock, Jesus said, I'll build my church. And he began to build it way back then. And the gates of Hades, the power of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. Amen. Christians have been persecuted for centuries, but we still keep popping up. <laughs> Amen. We still keep popping up because because Jesus comes to live inside us. It's the new birth is just such a remarkable, amazing, supernatural thing that happens in us. You know that we become a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. We become somebody we've never been before. That it's it's it just causes us to you know it just overflows out of us, and we are the fragrance of Christ. The fragrance of Christ in the earth. We're salt and we're light. So we live holy. That makes us salty. Amen. It causes people to be thirsty for God. So we keep popping up. We're like Bozo the Clown. We keep knocking us down. We just keep getting back up. We just keep getting back up. Amen. So you may have fallen down today. Listen, get back up. 
Keep going. Dust yourself off and keep going. The righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. So I'm telling you today, get back up again. Maybe you've wandered off. Maybe you've gone your own way. Maybe you decided to do your own thing for a while. Listen, this is the year of the prodigals returning. If this don't have your attention, I don't know what it's going to take to get your attention. But come back to God. I think it's good if you're watching today, if you stumbled onto this video and that's you, and God is dealing with your heart, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus blood on the cross was shed for you all your sins past present and future already paid for so just come back and say hey create in me a clean heart oh god renew to me a right spirit within me and don't take your holy spirit from me give me back the joy of my salvation i believe that that's one thing this coronavirus is going to do it's going to cause us to have the joy of our salvation again as we get revived in god and as we get revived i just declare that there's just going to be an overflow just just an overflow into others as the as the people People of God get revived. There'll be an overflow. And as there's an overflow, there'll be an outpouring. Amen. As we cry out to God for an outpouring, I believe it's time for it. Now listen to this. Romans 6, 6 through 14. You're going to love this. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin miserable life. No longer it sins every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. I love that. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on every word. You're dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote the way in the way that you conduct your lives. Listen to this. You must not give sin a vote in the way that you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Woo, Jesus. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Hallelujah. That's so good. I'm not a slave to sin. Remember when we were slaves to sin? Before we, before we knew Jesus, we did whatever we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. Nobody was our boss, and we were miserable. We didn't think we were miserable because we, we didn't know Christ. But when we heard the gospel and we received Christ, that life could not hold a candle to what God wants to do in us now. Amen. Hearing his voice, hearing the mother tongue, hearing God talk to us day by day. Well, there's, there's no sin that's, that's better than that. There's nothing that could make that not the best thing that we could have in our lives. Amen. Amen. So what was number one? No, no, no. The resurrection brings transforming power to the lives of believers. So this is what it brings to the lives of believers. Transforming power is number one. And number two, it brings victory in life situations. It brings victory in life situations. The fact that he was raised from the dead. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And he conquered the grave. Amen. So he's brought victory to us 
Through Him, we have victory in our lives. So it, it means that I can come out of, the, of every tomb that life tries to shut me up in. The, the shame of mistakes that I make, shake it off. Shake it off and, and stand up and say, come on, God, give me another chance. Amen. So he causes us to have victory in situations, you know, depression. We can get victory over depression, victory over sickness. We can have victory over setbacks and problems, etc. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. God means for us to have victory in our lives. And Jesus' resurrection from the dead shows us that we have victory over absolutely everything. First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. it says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be to God, who always, when? Come on, everybody at home, say it. Who always leads us in triumph in Christ. So God always leads us in triumph. Doesn't mean that there won't be a hiccup. Doesn't mean that there won't be a crooked place. But God comes before us to make the crooked places straight. Amen. Doesn't mean that there won't be a problem. Because we will have problems in life. But it means he'll be with us in it. And he'll lead us. You know, as as David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He says, I know, you know, I know you're going to lead me into something better. Hallelujah. So you might have a a short-term interruption. You might have something that that happens that you never expected to happen in your life. But I'm looking for victory. You know, get out of the tomb. Get out of the tomb. Get out of the, get, get out of the graveyard. Amen. You know, we have funerals for a reason. So we can get out of the graveyard and go on with our lives. And that's what God wants us to do when we go through situations in life is that we get out of the, get out of the graveyard and go on with our lives and be victorious. Listen to the message translation. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. One perpetual victory parade. Amen. (laughs) How many of you want to be in that parade? (laughs) The perpetual victory parade. Sign me up for that one. But you know, I've walked with God so long, like 26 years now. I expect to win. I expect to have victory. not saying that there haven't been times that some awful things have happened to me in my life. Sure have. Some awful things. Terrible things. But God had a plan for my future and for my hope to bring me into victory, to bring me out of of stuff that I had gone through, to bring me out of it and to heal my heart. To heal my heart so that I don't look like where I've been. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not smell like smoke. Their hair wasn't singed. They came out of the fire. And so we expect to come out victorious. Amen? Because <coughs> we're not in the fires by ourselves. He's in there with us. So Romans 8.15 in the message says, This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expecting, greeting God with a childlike, What's next, Papa? <laughs> how, cool is, how cool is that? Amen. So... We're going to get out of the grave, amen? We're going to stop tending the grave and let's get on with life. You have to put some things behind you. And sometimes that's tough. You say, Pastor, are you diminishing the pain I've gone through? Absolutely not. We go through some stuff that hurts, some stuff that hurts real bad. It can have you tripping for a while. But listen, God doesn't mean for you to to live um, pressed down. He doesn't mean for you to live under the burden of what happened to you. That is not your identity. I'm talking to somebody right now who your identity has become what you went through. 
God wants your identity to be the victory that he brings you into. Because there's victory outside of what you went through. Some of you are still sad about things that have happened. I'm telling you, God can heal you everywhere you hurt. He loves you. He loves you. And he can heal you and get you back up on your feet again so that you can serve him. Amen? Just plead the blood of Jesus over your heart and over your mind. Just just declare, I plead the blood of Jesus. It's able to cleanse my conscience from good dead work so that I can serve the living God. Okay, so the first thing that it did was what, y'all? What was the number one thing? First thing? Transforming power. It brings victory in life situations. And number three, it get, it causes what? Authority. Authority. Good for you. <laughs> it causes us to have authority over Satan and demons. Authority. We have authority. Jesus, being raised from the dead, he absolutely defeated Satan. He made a show of him openly. Yesterday I was watching. I love history. And yesterday I was watching um, where uh, the United States drop the bomb on Hiroshima in order to end the war. Um, and their thinking was, we can drop this bomb, and I think a, hundred, a few hundred thousand people may die, but this will stop the millions of dying if this war keeps going on. So they dropped, they dropped that bomb, and um, finally the Japanese surrendered. And they had to give an absolute unconditional surrender. Like the, the, the Japanese leaders came on the boat where uh, General MacArthur was there. And they stood there. They had to stand there at attention in front of all the world leaders who had come together to accept their absolute surrender. They made a show of them openly. Stripped them of, uh, of absolutely uh, all authority. And said, you will sign this paper of your absolute um, uh, surrender. And they did. They signed it. And I thought, how much more did Jesus make a show of the devil and all Satan and demons? How much more? When he, when he showed up at the gates of hell to take the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from the devil. I mean, the devils were dancing, right? They thought they had killed the Son of God, right? They thought, oh, well, this is taken care of, right? But he had power over death and power over the grave. And he went and took those keys back. So look, in life, remember this, y'all, that we're not um, battling against, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Your problem is not your family. Your problem is not your spouse. Your problem is not your children. Your problem is not that neighbor you're having a problem with. Your problem is not your uh, boss or your coworker or whoever your a neighbor, somebody you're having a problem with. That's not what it is. You're wrestling against flesh and not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, demonic forces is what we're wrestling against. Look at Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So in in that heavenly realm, how do they access you? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. So he's the one who's bringing those ideas to you that you're going to lose your house. He's the one trying to get you to fear rather than being in faith and calling it into this virus. We, you know what? I, if, if I don't get back to her, I'm going to lose my car. I, I'm not going to have food to eat. He's the one who introduces these thoughts, these ideas, and these suggestions. And then you take it and you say it out of your mouth. And then death and life is in the power of your tongue. And you'll have whatsoever you say. So he comes to your mind to get you to speak it because he knows that your speaking is the way that you create. It's the same way God created. We're made in his image and in his likeness. Amen. So he's the one who's coming to try to get you to fear during this thing. 
you know, as we were talking about people who are um, having a challenge and we saw like 500 people in line yesterday to get some free food, you know, don't let that cause fear to come into your heart. You have to declare that God is your provider. He's going to provide for you. He shouldn't have put it in the book if he didn't mean. If I feed the sparrows, I'm going to feed you. If I've clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to clothe you. So don't worry. Don't worry. When the devil tries to bring you, it comes from Satan. It's, it, it's spiritual hosts, uh, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that access your spirit, access your life through your mind. The battlefield is in your mind. So the battle is to stay in faith. The battle is not about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. The battle is stay in faith. Didn't we read last week that unbelievers stress out about these things? We're believers. We believe that God is going to take care of us. And so Satan and demons, we have to shut them down. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we don't allow those thoughts to hang around. Don't let the devil do all the talking. You have authority over him. Would you tell him to shut up? He's got to shut up. He may come back 30 minutes later or 30 seconds later. But you tell him to shut up again. Don't you let him do all the talking. I know I was believing God for something uh, 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 probably about a year ago. And man, it was on my mind so much. I was dwelling on it so much that I said, you know what? This is ridiculous. I know better than this. And I gave it to God and said, and I began to uh, confess the scriptures over my situation. And man, I'll tell you, it was a battle. Like every minute and a half, I'd have to take authority over, over those thoughts because the thought would come again. And I'd say, oh no, in Jesus name, I bind that thought in Jesus name. I bind that. So all these thoughts that are coming to you that you're of fear and anxiety and worry that you're not going to have enough or you're not going to make it through this COVID-19, you take those thoughts captive and say, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I will not lack anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. And so declare that if God himself has to come and pre- prepare a table for me, he will do it. Amen. Colossians 2.15, it says, having disarmed disarm principalities and powers, these, these spiritual forces of evil, Jesus disarmed them. And uh, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Listen to the Amplified. God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it, the cross, in Jesus and through the cross. Through the cross, he made a, a public spectacle of the devil. Revelation 1.8, Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and hell. Hallelujah. That's a good place to shout right there. Y'all shout hallelujah at home. Amen. Say amen out here. Say hallelujah in here. Let me hear y'all say hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And then Luke 10.19, here's your badge scripture, your badge. This is your badge. Like a police officer has a badge. They don't even have to yell because they have authority, right? Behold, I give to you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Colossians 2, 14 through 15, it says, He canceled the record. This is in the New Living Translation. He canceled the record of the charges. The Message Bible says the arrest warrant against us. We had an arrest where we like to watch. What's that show we watch? P- Live PD. We watch Live PD all the time and they go and to get, take with, the, with their arrest warrant or they'll pull somebody over and find out, well, you got a warrant and they have to, you know, put them in handcuffs and take them in because the, the, what the crime means there has to be justice. 
There has to be justice under the law. You cannot commit this crime without paying a price for it. So the good news is... And no one knows they have a warrant. The what? Everyone says, I have a warrant? Like, yeah, they surprised. act surprised. Like, what? Who? Me? I have a warrant? <laughs> I brought that store and they want, and it's a crime? <laughs> yeah. So I love the way this says this. He canceled the record of the charges, the arrest warrant against us, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So your arrest warrant, we all had an arrest warrant. We were all uh, guilty of sin, right? In this way. And he nailed it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See, he punished Jesus for everything we ever did wrong. Everything we hadn't even done wrong yet. He already punished Jesus for it. So he took the punishment of death and the burial. God was so satisfied that he raised Jesus from the dead. He's walking free from death right now. And that's how we know that we're free. God is on our side today. The next thing that it brings to us, what was the number one? Transforming power. Number two? Victory in life situations. Number three? Authority over Satan and demons. And number four? Our own bodily resurrection. So that's, that's another thing that Jesus brings to us through his resurrection from the dead, is that we will also one day have a bodily resurrection. And uh, I just think that's the most awesome thing ever. And I've always said that the coolest place to be when that happens would be in the cemetery. Because in the cemetery, they get a head start on us just that quick. By the time you blink, it's over with. And then, and then we're changed into our uh, resurrected bodies as well. John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said to her, said he was talking to Martha outside the tomb of Lazarus. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He was talking about the, the resurrection. We'll talk about that in just a second. I'll read it to you. Romans 8.11 in the message translation says, It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. Wow, isn't that awesome? When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as as alive as Christ. Woo! (laughs) That's awesome. You know, that's why we can look at a, go to a funeral and, and say, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it because I know this is not the last day I'm going to see my loved one. And when I see him again, they won't be dead. They'll be alive. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 15, 51, here it is where Paul's telling the mystery that he knows. He says, but let me, let me tell you something wonderful. A mystery I'm, I'm probably never, I'll, I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed. You hear a blast to end all blasts from a trumpet. And in the time that you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves, beyond the reach of death, never to die again. At the same moment and in the same way, we'll all be changed. Those that believe in Christ, those that are believers, they'll be changed instantly to their glorified bodies. Those that are dead get a head start because their bodies have to come back together. And listen, don't we know that through DNA, that every scrap, every speck 
of DNA is somewhere in this earth and God knows exactly where it is. Amen. Every person who's ever lived, their DNA is still here. You might think it's watered down. You might think it's turned to powder or ash, or it probably has. But God knows. He formed you from the dirt, formed mankind from the dirt. You know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. He knows exactly where every particle of every loved one, every person who's ever lived is. And on that day... Boom, it's going to all come back together. Because we know about DNA now. We couldn't understand years ago how that how that could be. But God knows every speck of your body, where it is, and every person who's ever lived. And he'll bring it back together. Amen. At the same moment, in the same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced by the imperishable. This mortal replaced by the immortal. Then the saying will come true, death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? In the old translation it says, O death, where is your sting? And O grave, where is your victory? There is no victory for the, for death, hell, or the grave. Jesus has, has totally defeated it. Amen? And one day we will have a bodily resurrection. And I just, I just believe that we'll all get to be young. Amen? In Jesus' name. You know, Jesus was like 33. Amen. If we could release our faith, for, I release my faith for 33. Because 33, you know, you're still pretty good looking, but you got some smarts, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll be 33, the same age as Jesus. That's why I picked that. that that'd be good because, that, you know, 33 is, you know, you still look good, but you're a little smarter than you were when you were 23. Amen. Praise the Lord. We all had our dumb days, but glory to God. All right, and then, okay, so number one was what? What does it bring to our life? Transforming power. Number two, victory in life situations. Number three, authority over Satan and demons. Number four, our own bodily resurrection. And number five, the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, Christianity is not a religion, it's a reality. Let that sink in for just a second. Christianity is not a religion. It's a reality. It's our everyday reality and our relationship with God who's with us, who's in us, who's leading us, who's guiding us, who's talking to us, who's, who's telling us, go this way, go that way, who gives us an unction to not do this or to do that. It's a, it's a real relationship where he hears us when we pray. He hears us when we declare his word and, and uh, we're partners with God in the earth. But the Holy Spirit was a game changer. Woo, was it a game changer? Wow. So, John sixteen seven, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And that helper, you know, is a capital H. That's the Holy Spirit. He said, but if I depart... In other words, when he was raised and he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to pray the Father and he's going to send him to you. We know the day of Pentecost, they were all with one accord in an upper room um, waiting for the, for the Holy Spirit to come. Because Jesus said, he said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but wait, don't go until you've been endued or clothed with power from on high. See, Jesus never authorized a powerless gospel, but he authorized us to go out with power. He said, in my name, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, 
They will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, if they drink anything deadly, it will not by any means harm them. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So he authorized a gospel that was full of power. Amen. And I believe that's the reset that we're going to have in the church. That we're coming back with some power. Amen. That God's about to do some things that is going to cause people to, to know that the power of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with new tongues. And Peter, who was the chicken that he was, when Jesus was being, um, when he was there being slapped around and, and in chains there in front of the, uh, uh, the, the high priest Caiaphas and all of them, he's standing there and he says, I don't know him. I don't know, I don't know who you're talking, I, I don't know him. And then he even cursed. He was out warming himself by the fire while Jesus is in there answering their questions. And uh, he said, he, he cursed. He said, I don't know him. He said, yeah, somebody said, I saw you with him. You were one with him. I saw you. I'm telling you, I don't know him right then. The, the rooster crowed. But on the day of Pentecost, there was a new Peter in, in town. There was a Peter that had been clothed with power from on high. And he stood up and he preached that day. And 3,000 people got saved. In one preaching. Hallelujah. Not bad for your first preaching, Peter. <laughs> not, bad at, not bad at all. You know, I, I saw a, a video of a guy from Ireland on Facebook yesterday who had the COVID-19, who had this virus. And he was in the hospital and he, he was saying, this was the actual guy, you know, who's been released from the hospital now. But while he was in there, he said he was so sick. He said, I was so sick. And he said, you know, I, I didn't have any taste in my mouth. I couldn't smell anything. And he said, the worst part is that I was by myself. That no one could come in. No pastor could come in. No no um, preacher could come in. Nobody could come in. No family members could come in. He said, I was utterly by myself. He said, I felt forsaken. And I was so sick. He said, I, 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 I thought I would die. And he said, everyone thought I was going to die. Nobody thought I was going to make it. But he said, God, you've got to help me. When he prayed that prayer, he, he felt like God heard him. We, you know, we don't have to feel a thing when we pray God hears us. Right, right. But he said that the door opened and there was a cleaner who came in, a janitor who came in the door. And he said when he came in, he said it was like a ray of sunshine came in. Another person was in the room with me. And he said he was doing the things that he had to do to clean up. Of course, he was all gloved up, masked up and all of that. He said, but I could hear his voice and I could see into his eyes. And he began to talk to me. He said, ask me how I was doing. And he said, I, I wasn't doing well at all. And I felt horrible. He said, but he began to talk to me. And he said, you know, um, I, I'm living here in Ireland now. And I'm, I'm doing this job, he said. But I've been a missionary in Africa for many years. And I've seen many people with, with many sicknesses and many things that, that people are afflicted with in Africa. And I've seen God heal a lot of people in Africa. He said, oh, sir, would you pray for me? And the man stood there, and he just reached out his hand toward him. He didn't touch him, but he reached out his hand toward him, and he said, I could feel his prayer going into my body like life coming into my body. And he said, he said the man prayed, and he said, Father, would you help this man? Would you just come down and heal this man and show him your salvation? And he just prayed a quick prayer with him like that. And he said, in the name of Jesus... He said he left the room and he said, 
I didn't feel any better right away. I still felt bad. He said, and by the next morning, I even felt worse. He said, um, but by the next day, by the next day, he said, I got my taste back. I began to breathe easier. He said, I began to feel better. I began to do better. Everyone around me was saying, you're doing better. We think you're going to pull through this. And he said, as his taste came back and his sense of smell came back, he said, man, I had a, a, a what's, it, what's it that you get, um, a taste for something? Hankering. A what? Hankering. A hankering. <laughs> no, there's another word. Um, a craving. Yes, he said, I was craving um, these things called cocktail crackers. I guess it's what they have in, in Ireland. They're called cocktail crackers. He said, do you know what they are, Pastor Robert? He said, I was craving cocktail crackers and a Coca-Cola. He said, I wanted it so bad. He said, there was no way I was going to get anything other than hospital food. And so he just said, God, if you can hear me, I would really like to have some cocktail crackers and a cola. And he said, later that day, that same janitor peeked the door open and slid a bag into the room. He said, this is a gift from God. And he said, when I opened up that bag, what do you think it had in it? It had a Coca-Cola and some cocktail crackers. (laughs) He said... I knew from that moment that God is a God who hears. And you know, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. For this janitor to go in that room and be sensitive enough to pray to that man and to pray for that man and for him to hear the voice of God, to just pick up a, a Coca-Cola and some, some crackers, you know, didn't probably mean much to the janitor, but look how much it meant to the man who had just prayed. And that's the kind of Holy Spirit life that we live in Christ, that the resurrection brings to us. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I go, I'll pray the Father, and he'll send him to you, another helper, a comforter, who'll who'll be your paracletos, the one called alongside to help. So I believe that's the greatest gift we've ever been given, besides the word of God, of course. But the power of the Holy Spirit, who's with us every day, who talks to us every day, you know, Murray hears from God. He hears the way he has sort of a little prophetic anointing on him that's beginning to emerge on him because right before this COVID thing happened, he said, I feel a little unsteady and un, I, I think you ought to go and buy some things at the grocery store and just be prepared. You know, God began to speak to him about it. Other people weren't talking about it, but this was like a good three weeks or so before this thing actually came down and we had to begin, maybe it was four weeks, not even three or four weeks, that, that he heard from God. He said, I'd like for you to just go to the store and make sure that we have some things that we have to be quarantined for some time. And, uh, and get a lot of toilet paper. Yeah, he did. He did. He started that, I guess. <laughs> but he said, yeah, just be sure that we have plenty of toilet paper and that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it. And I called a few people from the church that night and said. He called you know, Christy. Or, or Christy called yeah, us. We called Christy. Two. We called Kevin. We she called Jennifer. We called different people. And we said, you know, um, just be prepared. Um, just in case I'm not saying, you know, be afraid, but be prepared. And isn't that like God? to let us know so that we can be prepared. You know, God doesn't do anything unless he tells his prophet. He tells people, he tells us, he lets let somebody know so that we can be prepared. It doesn't catch us off guard. Amen. So I think that's one of the most wonderful things that God brought to our lives as a result of the resurrection, everlasting life. Whew, that's a wonderful one. Amen. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. 
So I want to pray with you this morning. Maybe you're watching and you've never received Jesus. You've never accepted him as your own Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you that you would receive him today, that you would be forgiven for your sins and you'd be part of the family of God, that he would come into your life and forgive you for your sins and and become Lord of your life. You know, you can't just accept the free gift of sin. It is free. It's a free gift. But he has to become Lord. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, um, believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you got to make him Lord. You have to make him Lord of your life. you got to take your hands off the wheel and say, Jesus, you are driving from now on. I'm not doing things my way anymore. I'm not living by the dictates of my flesh. I'm not living by for whatever I decide to do. I'm living by what your word says. I want to live a life of purpose. I did that 26 years ago at the age of 31. I knelt down in my closet. I threw my hands in the air and I said, God, I'm through running. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Whatever I have, whatever gifts, whatever talents are in here. And I didn't even know what all was in there. I never ever thought I'd be a preacher. But I gave God all that I had and all that I was. And, And that's been the best decision that I've ever made. Because he's led me and guided me all these years. And uh, I would never want to live one day without him. But I have eternal life to look forward to. And you do too. You have a God who's with you every moment, every day. And he's, he's, he's preparing eternal life for you. So that even though we may die in this earth, we don't even have to be afraid of death. For he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So it's just a transition into a new life. But we don't ever really die. We just transition out of this. Just when the body can no longer sustain life, our our spirit man that's created looks just like us, but it's in the image and likeness of God. We our our body comes out. I mean, our 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 spirit comes out of our body, and and then uh, uh, we're back in the arms of God again, who created us from the very beginning. Amen. So we don't have to be afraid of death. We're not afraid of death. Amen. Because we know that we have resurrection life to look forward to. That we have eternal life with Jesus to look forward to. We have we have a, a reunion to look forward to. All those who have passed and gone on ahead of us. Think about, you know, I, there's so many. The older you get, the more you know are already there. It's like, I know I'll miss the people that I'm leaving, but I'll be so excited to see you, 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 and you, all the people that have gone ahead of you. It's, it's exciting to know what all God has done for us that we reflect on on this day on Easter Sunday. It's just awesome. So I want to pray with you so that you can be sure that you know that, that you have this same assurance. There's an old song called Blessed Assurance, knowing that Jesus is yours, knowing that you have eternal life. It's a wonderful thing to have this assurance in your heart that you're saved, that you're on your way to heaven that you live a blessed life while you're here, that you have authority over Satan and demons. It's a wonderful thing to know. So I'm going to pray with you to receive Christ right now. Would you bow your heads with me right now as we pray? Just repeat after me. Just say this prayer. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I've been doing things my own way instead of your way. But I don't want to live that way anymore. I want you to be my Lord. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. And come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, that's so awesome. That means you've become a child of God, that uh, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Your sins have been cast behind God so far away in the sea of forgetfulness. He remembers them no more. Amen. But listen, you've got to let somebody know that you accepted Christ. Download the Acceleration Church app and go on there and let me know that you received Christ today. Fill out the um, connection card. Fill it out. There's also a, a page that you can go to that says Salvation when you go on the app. Just fill that out and let us know that you received Christ. It's one of the greatest joys of my life to know that people have received Christ. So let me know today so I can give you a call or text you or Facebook you and let you know how glad I am for the decision you made and also to let you know what the next steps are that you need to take. There's a little pamphlet I have I'd like to send to you in the mail so that you'll uh, know what your next steps are so you can be successful at being a child of God. Amen. Well, congratulations, child of God. You Today is the first day of your new life in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. You are a brand new creature. You're going to live a brand new life. Amen. Well, it's offering time. <laughs> Amen. Well, this is the time in our service where we return our tithe and give offerings over and above. So the tithe is the tenth part of our increase. You can give um, by way of our app. Um, uh, just go to the Acceleration Church app and, and touch give and then fill out the information and then it will, your information will be stored in the system. It's the safest online giving system available safest and best giving system available or known to mankind. Amen. Isn't that right, Kevin? Yes. Amen. Kevin researched it and found the best, the safest way to give online is through PushPay that we use through our Acceleration Church app. So go on there and fill it out and continue to tithe. I can't encourage you enough, um, Acceleration Church members and members of other churches, listen, that you continue to tithe right through this whole pandemic. Continue to give. Continue to support the kingdom of God. We will get through this and we will come back to church and we need to be able to have our churches to come back to. Amen. I'm not, I'm going to fill out all the stimulus paperwork for our loan. I'm going to do all of that because it's available to us. I'm going to take advantage of it. But, but I know that we operate according to God's economy, the kingdom economy. And we began saying at the beginning of the year that 2020 would be a year of plenty, plenty. Amen. So continue to declare plenty over your life that the all sufficiency grace of God, the supernatural grace and power and manifestation of God comes upon your life. Amen. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have enough to give into every good work. We're declaring plenty enough in your own household and plenty enough in the kingdom of God. That we're not scraping off the bottom, but we have plenty enough to um, pay our rent in the church, our utilities in the church, and that you have plenty enough to pay your all your bills at home too. Amen. Your light bill, your utility bills, your rent, your mortgage, your car payments, everything. We declare you will not miss a beat. Amen. Because we operate according to God's economy, not according to the kingdom that Jesus came to tell us about. The kingdom of God. Amen. And so he says um, that we should get bring all the tithe into the storehouse. So don't think that this is a time that you can borrow part of the tithe. Because that, that doesn't um, release that windows of heaven op- uh, windows of heaven being open. The tither's blessing is bring all the tithe, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be plenty in my house, says the Lord. Amen. So bring the whole tithe, that whole 10%, and then give offerings over and above. And he said, 
that that Jesus try me now on this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing that you'll not have room enough to receive it. Amen. You have plenty enough to bring for the food pantry, plenty enough to give to a neighbor that you know that's in need. Amen. So this is a time of plenty. We declare it, continue to say it. Amen. Because God will raise up somebody to use their power, ability and influence to help you when you give. It comes back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. So God's going to cause people to give to you. Amen. You will not go lacking in any area. He causes your stuff to stretch. He causes stuff to go to last longer. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. He did it for the widow woman in Zarephath. She, all she had was a little oil and a little bit of flour. But the man of God said, make me a small cake from it first. He didn't ask for it all. He just said, make me a small cake first. And so when she did that, he said, thus says the Lord, that bin of flour and that jar of oil will not run out until the day that this is all over with. And you know she kept pouring and the oil kept coming out. She kept dipping and flour kept coming out. So I declare as you continue to pour, as you continue to dip, you're not going to run out. Amen? That your supply of finances will take you all the way through this COVID-19 and beyond in Jesus' name. This does not catch God by surprise. God already knew that this was going to happen. So we continue to give, continue to support the kingdom of God, and we continue to live in His blessings. Amen? Well, let's make our faith declaration. Are you ready? Let's go ahead and make our faith declaration. Let's say it now. Father, in Jesus' name, today is the dawning of a new day. Do you have it on the full screen? You have it on full screen, Kevin? Okay, good. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, today is the dawning of a new day. My season of frustration and lack is over, and I'm walking in a season of love, joy, peace, success, overflow, and prosperity. My love for you, relationship with you, and sensitivity to you is growing closer every day. Come on, say it with us at home now. I declare that favor and wisdom for promotion is mine now. You are opening doors for me that no man can shut. Thank you, Father, for watching over your words to perform it in my life. It's causing my life to prosper. I'm in anticipation of the good things you have prepared for me. I am blessed to be a blessing. So as I increase more and more, Father, open my eyes to see ways that I may bless others. I'll be quick to see the need and respond to your voice. Because you have planted Acceleration Church here, Humble, Texas is experiencing revival. I decree that the Spirit of God is drawing multitudes here from the north, south, east, and west. People are responding to your presence, power, and purpose for their lives. We declare that people of all ages, backgrounds, and ethnicities are being impacted forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, you want to go on the app and give as soon as we um, end our service. Amen. So let me just stretch out my hands and pray for you right now. Just stretch your hand towards the screen. As I stretch my hand towards you, this is a point of connection. And we just declare right now, I declare and pray over you in the name of Jesus, that you are safe and protected from COVID-19, that no plague shall come nigh your dwelling. I declare the healing stripes of Jesus cover you. I declare that you will remain untouched and unaffected by this virus. That, that your house is safe, your household is safe, your family is safe. We declare in Jesus' name that your job is protected. We declare in Jesus' name that if your job has been affected, you'll be called back to work, that uh, stimulus money and, and checks get to you, whatever you need. God is providing all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I declare health and healing over everyone. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I ask you to bless them.
to help them, to make your face to shine upon them and give them peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Say amen. Well, listen, would you send us a a message, a, a comment or something and let us know that you watched today and that it was a blessing to you. And be sure and share it with someone. Share it on your social media page and let someone know that we'll be back here again, same place, same time. Hey, you know what? I just have to just... Give it up for Susan, who ministered to our children this morning and the last few. Great job. I'm telling you, what an outstanding job. Susan, you were just a man. I've already... She's saying it's all God. But listen, I'll tell you, she's done a phenomenal job of putting together a 30-minute children's um, time. So listen, if you didn't have your children in front of the TV this morning at 10 o'clock, next Sunday, have them ready to watch at 10 o'clock. They see a short video. They have praise and worship. She has just a really quick five-minute little um, word for them. They're learning a, a scripture verse. And so if you have, if your kids weren't a part of it this Sunday, go drag them out the bed and make them be a part of it next Sunday, starting at 10 o'clock. It's only from 10 till 1025, but it's such a blessing. And Susan, thank you for doing that. Oh, we're going to have a special guest next week. All right, Rover Cover the Faith Dog next week. I'm so excited. All right, so we love y'all. Can't wait to hear from you. Be blessed and happy Resurrection Sunday and Easter to you all. Love you. Bye-bye. Always something trying to steal my mood. My crazy thoughts trying to kill my crew. That's when I hear.